Welcome back for the week 15 square, scare, and prayer segment. Give you a quick refresher, guys. Our square players, some have their doubts, but you must start them. Our scare players, consider your options because you might want to bench them. And our prayer players, it's a guy on your bench ranked outside the start line for their position this week. You should consider starting. Or maybe a fire you could pick up off waiver wire in a pinch to give you a, a reminder of what that, that uh, start line is for each position. Squares inside the top 36 wide receivers, 24 running backs, 12 for tight end and quarterback. Prayers are inside those marks and scares are outside those marks. I'm joined by my colleague, Timmy at Dubs on Twitter. Good friend here. As always, we're also throwing in two extra, actually three extra prayers at you this week, as well as I'll be adding an extra square for a player who didn't suit up last week in Nico Collins. We've got Jake, your host of the weekly sleepers video here to weigh in on our selections. Give us one prayer of his own at the end that he probably will, will feature in that weekly sleeper. So Guys, if we're ready to get right into it, we can start with Tim with a with a square. Yeah, my square this week is going to be Olave. I really like the matchup against Atlanta. They're 27th in the league in points per game allowed to the wide receiver. They're also 27th in the league in passing yards allowed per game at 251. So there's definitely going to be some yardage available in this game. Something else I really like about this too is that they're going against a rookie quarterback. So that can be unpredictable just in terms of turnovers and field position. That could really put Olave in a lot of good spots to score points. Um, he's averaging eight targets a game in the last seven games that he's played. And it hasn't been touchdown dependent at all. He's only, I think he's at like one or two on the season. So just based on that, we're seeing that he's producing on his yardage and his receptions, which is very, uh, it's a lot easier to, to bank on and kind of plan how your lineups uh, are going to be set. And he's been 10 plus point six the last seven games. So he's hitting double digits on a very regular basis. Something else that we're seeing is that in the fourth quarter and in late in games, he's the go-to guy trying uh, that they they go to trying to either get a first down or ice the game or whatnot. So if he's getting those targets later in the game, the more his the more that his role role grows more. Excuse me. We we're going to see more earlier targets in the game, which will only increase his volume and increase his actual production. So I'm loving it this week. Um, for Olave, and I, I'm expecting a pretty big game against the bad defense. Yeah, I, I mean, Atlanta for the season, I mean, we're talking about a team that's third or fourth worst against wide receivers on the year. They've been better as of late, but you got to look at the opponents. It's been, you know, Pittsburgh, who had Mitchell Trubisky going to start, um, uh, Washington, Chicago, Carolina, teams that don't necessarily have great passing offenses. So I wouldn't be uh, deterred by that. Uh, you know, Chris Olave, he's only had the three touchdowns on the season, but other than that, you're talking elite target share right since week seven 29 percent, 33 percent, 30 percent, 18 percent, 21 percent, 30 percent, 21 percent if a guy is getting you know 23 to 28 percent of his team targets every single week there's no way he could be left outside of your lineup that's going to translate to wide receiver two numbers every single time and then of course uh touchdowns could elevate that to wide receiver one status so love the love the call there you know i think some people have concerns maybe uh, especially coming off the bye, you might have forgot about him. The two weeks before were a little lesser uh, than we we've been used to. But Chris Olave for me has got to be in your lineup. Yeah, yeah. I the last two there weeks, too. The last oh, two weeks he's been wide receiver forty, but he's just that's just outside the top thirty six wide receivers, and that's basically his floor. Yeah, and and I've heard some concerns about a AJ Terrell maybe shadowing him. AJ Terrell hasn't been as good as people perceive him to be this year. Um, if you look at like PFF, for example, I know it's an imperfect grading system, but he's 87th out of 120 qualified corners here. Like he's not he's not some clamp down corner. He's not Sauce Gardner. He's not you know peak Terrell Revis like some people think he is. He he hasn't been as consistent as 
people were hoping he would be this year. And Alave is too talented to not produce, I think, in this matchup, especially in, you know, the Saints are still trying to win games, even though it doesn't always necessarily seem like it. And Chris Alave is by far the most talented player on their roster at this point. So I like it. I think he's going to smash this week. Okay. So going to go into here. So my square, my first square that I'm going to give you guys, is going to be Justin Fields. I know that's very blatant, but I'm going to come here and say it's a top six. We're moving the line from 12 to six. In his last seven starts, he's been QB8, QB5, QB5, QB1, QB1, QB7, QB5. There's no way this guy's about signal arms. I know it's against Philadelphia, which people look and they see that this, this, this matchup is very, very strong against quarterbacks, as it's been the number one uh, defense against quarterbacks on the season. And they're looking at early in the week, Justin Fields had a questionable tag uh, attached to him. And they might be concerned given this is their first week of playoffs for many leagues. But Justin Fields, he's had greater than 12 rushes per game in that seven-game stretch seven yards per carry that adds an extra 8.6 points per game base to you. And he's had one touchdown per game in that stretch. That's 15.6 points before you even talk about throwing the football. So you just opponent alone, you get 16 points off the bat to start with Justin Fields. And then, you know, the upside is what he can do thereafter. Uh, recently Philadelphia, they've been 21st versus quarterbacks over the last month. So it's not that necessary. That this defense is going to shut down every single guy i'm just here to call for justin fields as a must start guy in almost any single scenario he's the only clear option i see over justin fields is the other side of the ball for that game in jalen hurts everyone else i think you have an argument i have justin fields as my qb4 on the week behind hurts mahomes and allen and you know as i said you can argue him versus mahomes and allen so i just wanted to start out the gate with justin fields we did it earlier in the season lock him in as a top six guy i just want to make sure he's not on any benches because this guy is legitimate league winning upside every single week qb8 was the last time that first qb8 that you the first uh, game that you quoted was the last time he was under 20 points so you're hitting a 20 point threshold basically guaranteed every single week since then and I don't see this being any different because their defense is so bad. We we really believe that uh, Philadelphia is going to come out and just you know score points as they've been doing all season, which is going to require Justin Fields to go and do the same thing. It's also important to note that the Eagles are allowing the 12th most rushing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks, and Kyler is really the only rushing quarterback that they've played. So these this is a team that even to non-running quarterbacks is giving up yardage. And if that's what Justin Fields' bread and butter is, he's the one he's one of three quarterbacks, maybe four in football, that can just on a dime decide, you know what, I'm gonna go 80 yards real quick. And he can he can do that any play, and it's just a constant threat. So it's gonna open up other lanes, I think, in this offense. Obviously, the outside cornerbacks are, are where they shine. The Bears can really take advantage of a lot of these things here. And everybody that has ever followed me on Twitter knows how I feel about Justin Fields. And I think he's in, uh, I agree with Skylar here. Like he, there's maybe three guys that I would consider starting him over this week. Maybe. Yep. All right, guys. So next guy we're going to talk about real quick. This is making up for one of the players that had out injured before the game started last week. We're going to go with JK Dobbins. Now he only came in to play 43% of the snaps last week and drew zero targets. So you might think how sustainable is his production, but he had 15 rushing attempts and he had red zone opportunities in his evolve in his involvement. Uh, it's it's clear to me that they didn't waste any time getting J.K. Dobbins back involved. He came in, he saw touches on almost every single one of his snaps. So he's likely being eased in, and if he was on the field, he was going to get used. Gus Edwards was also involved, but Kenyon Drake was pushed back with J.K. Dobbins coming in. I think this is one of the best signs for J.K. Dobbins' future involvement, right? There is a role with 
Gus Edwards, he's always had his role, but it's always been kind of that secondary role where Kenyon Drake was stepping in as that lead guy. With Jake Adams coming in and diminishing everything that you can expect from Kenyon Drake, I think it's a great sign. I would look for another 15-touch day, which gives Jake Adams a mid-RB2 floor. We've always talked here, if you get over 14 touches as a running back, we mention every single week, that gives you RB14 average production on the season. So if we think he's going to get 15 attempts again, we we're, we're going to hope that, you know, upside can come from either increased snaps or more targets, which could give him more of a ceiling play. But I'm going to comment and say you can be confident locking J.K. Dobbins in as a running back, too. And in such an important week where a lot of running backs either have injury designations or tougher matchups, you know, I think he's a guy has got to get in there. And with a backup quarterback, Huntley's playing and Huntley himself is questionable. And meaning it could be Anthony Brown starting. Baltimore might have to lean heavy into this run game, especially against a divisional matchup with Cleveland ranks third worst to running backs on the year. So if they're going to win this game, it's probably going to have to get done through the ground. I think J.K. Dobbins is the most dynamic option on the on the field for Baltimore. So that's where I lean with J.K. Dobbins. I think he's got to be in lineup this week. I think he could be huge for teams that have held on uh, to him through the playoffs. I agree 100%. The the use that he's going to they're going to require of him in the, the both running and some of the dump offs that we're going to see just to relieve pressure from whoever's playing quarterback. I, I don't, I think um, Huntley is going to be back. I think it was announced today that Lamar was out and Huntley was going to start, but there still could be even up to game time. There could be situations in which the concussion symptoms come back. So we just can't be hundred percent sure. And that, like you said, that is a telltale sign that they should be leaning on JK. I think it's really, is going to be that two back system. Maybe Ricard, Ricard gets a touch or two, but that really is not going to take away from it. And that's only going to help them maintain possession control the game maybe it's a little bit lower scoring but they're gonna they're definitely gonna lean on it i agree with you 100 yeah and jk dobbins has produced in the past consistently when, when we saw what he was doing in 2020 on that end stretch where he was really going off for teams and really was winning teams games in, in the playoffs there he was playing between 37 and 64 percent of the snaps at the absolute ceiling so this is never going to be a guy who needs that 70 80 percent snap share to produce this is a guy who can get that 43 you know just 43 50 percent of the snaps his talent is so much there and he looked better this week or last week than he had at any point prior this year obviously coming off an acl that's to be expected but the man looks to be back he looks a little bit more comfortable than he has in a while so i like it i like firing him up here yeah last time we saw jk doms he didn't look as fresh to me than he did last week and you're right he's always been a guy who's super efficient on his touches so we're hoping he gets over 50 percent this week and that that'll lead to rb2 type production so as guys, well, without without Lamar, there should be more goal line opportunities for him as well. I know that Huntley got a rushing touchdown last week, but I expect that there to be attempts for Dobbins, and that's another reason why he could be at that sixty percent snap share and still put up twenty points because of the the ability for him to score touchdowns. Yep. Okay, guys, we're gonna quick hit our little accountability section as we always do. Last week we had a lot of players. It was a four and three week. A lot of really close misses. A little tough. That puts us at fifty six and twenty three in the season, which is seventy one percent. I've been at 78%. Tim is at 64%. We got Jake here with us. His week he came. He went uh, two and one, so 67% for him. We hit, I hit on Garrett Wilson, Jared Goff. Uh, Nico didn't play, missed on, uh, it was uh, Corey Davis, con concussion early. Um, so, or that was, it was Timmy, I had Damian Pierce in there. 
one of those things, whatever it was. But Tim hit on Chig, but Damian Pierce, who's inefficient, bailed out by a touchdown. Gerald Everett, tight end 13, so right outside the line. Corey Davis, as we mentioned, concussion. He went out on his first catch, so some really tough ones. If you started them last week, guys, we apologize. We really hope that you were able to advance uh, into the playoffs regardless. But, you know, a quick question I want to come off is with what we saw from Gerald Everett, where, you know, it's tight end 13. The volume's kind of been there. He's been a fringe tight end one for most of the year. I want to ask, is he still kind of a must start based on that floor we've seen for him? Or is he moved back a little bit into that streamer territory? Other names I'm going to throw out that I would like to be compared to him. Jake can chime in too after Simkins' his take is, you know, Chig, Greg Dolchich, Evan Ingram had a big week last week in Dawson Knox finally bounced back with a touchdown. Where do we view Gerald Ever in that tight end landscape moving forward? Some things I want to take uh, account, uh, account of is that I'm looking at the teams that are still within that playoff hunt that are really going to be pushing to win the, the games, such as the chargers, such as Tennessee, because Tennessee hasn't locked anything up yet. I think that those are going to be options more or less that you want to lean towards. If you're looking at streaming, because I would put them in the streaming group, just because you want to be like water. You want to be flexible when it comes to matchups. You want to find the best op opportunities to score points each week, especially during the playoffs. So I would lean more towards um, streaming, but I think he's one of the stronger streamers and we've seen since Keenan's come back, he's put up two straight games, 20 plus points. So there is a motivation to get the ball to Keenan Allen, which doesn't mean there won't be opportunities later in different games, or like just different opportunities because of the coverage shading towards Keenan's way. It just didn't end up being an Everett day. He still put up a decent number of points. It just wasn't, uh, you know, blow your socks off. My, Anybody who is in our Discord, uh, which everybody who's watching or listening to this should be, so make sure you check out the description for that, um, knows how much I love Chig and knows how the affinity I had for him coming into the season over Austin Hooper, it's still not comparable to me. Gerald Everett is, he's, I do agree with Timmy, he's a little bit closer to that streaming category, but he's the type of guy where if I am streaming tight end that week, I don't want to drop Gerald Everett. I don't want to free him off to waivers because we know that boom game is just right around the corner at, at any time he gets consistent enough volume which is a big play he's getting consistent red zone volume basically a target a week is almost guaranteed for him in the red zone this offense is getting like you know it's coming back together i would prefer him dulcich this week the matchup is so juicy but also everett's got a really juicy matchup this week knox has a really juicy matchup there's a lot of good tight end matchups here if I have to pick like between Dulcich, Everett, and Knox, I'm probably going with Dulcich this week. But Everett is like just pure. You know that he's going to get probably five to eight targets, and one of them is going to be in the red zone. And knowing that basically week in and week out is just really, really hard to pass up on. Yeah, what would you say to a manager who saw what Evan Ingram did last week where he absolutely exploded, you know, three touchdowns, 22 targets in the last two games? What would you say to them if they're sitting? Those are their two options. Right. You got very similar options, at least in my opinion, but you've got 73 targets on the year for Everett, 74 on the year for Evan Ingram. Um, both, you know, both the touchdowns aren't necessarily guaranteed. Gerald Everett hasn't seen touchdowns since week three. He only has two on the year. Ingram, uh, three in the last two weeks. What do you say to those people? And what is kind of a tiebreaker there when you're making that start decision? Yeah. So when I'm, when I have a guy who I know just had a very big boom game, I, I'm looking at some of the context that goes on with that boom game, and I'm comparing it to the context that I have for this week. Last week, Engram, obviously, very, very good game. But you have to consider the matchup there, too. Um, I'm trying to pull up the data here on the fly real quick, but the matchup was better for Engram last week than it was this week. Dallas has been one of the best defenses in football. We know this. 
we know that Engram has that upside. He has that athleticism. He has that skill set. But he was also playing the Titans, who are allowing the third most points to tight ends on the year. Is part of that because of what Engram did to them last week? Of course. But they were still a juicy matchup going into that week. Who does Gerald Everett get this week? The Titans. He gets the matchup that Engram had last week with a better quarterback. Yes, the wide receivers are also better as much as I love Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are, are better wide receivers at this stage in their careers. But I, I'm looking at that context and I'm saying Gerald Everett has the better quarterback. He's in the same matchup that a guy just boomed in. And while Evan Engram is great, Dallas is allowing the 32nd most points to tight ends this year. Like the matchup just does not favor him. And Engram, while really, really good, he's not a transcendent talent at the position. He's going to have that boom game every once in a while, but otherwise we were walking into like just two weeks ago being like Evan Engram is a waiver wire tight end. He shouldn't be on your rosters. Like the boom tight end is so gross. I just give me that consistency with a really good matchup. And that, and that's where I'm going with Everett there. Okay. Well, you heard it here guys. So we have, I think we consensus, we have Greg Dolchich ahead of the group moving forward, but then this week it's Gerald Everett over, um, over Evan Ingram and Dawson Ox is behind those guys. So that's kind of, I think, where we fall in that. I'm going to transition ahead. We're going to go into our scares. Playoff time, it's really tough. We weren't going to go too bold. A lot of studs in lineups. If you've made it this far, you've been leaning on them. So we're looking more at guys who are flex considerations this week where we we just don't have a lot of confidence in them. So, Tim, start us off with uh, your scare on the week. Yeah, at this point, you really kind of want to live and die with your studs. Um, I'm going with Hollywood Brown this week. The reason being, he is – very volatile, volatile in terms of his production. I understand that the target's been really good, but we have a different quarterback. He could have looked better in his production last week if he didn't drop some balls. I, I completely understand that. But he's going up against Denver, which is the worst matchup for wide receivers. On the, on the year, Denver's giving up 119 yards to wide receivers and less than a touchdown a game. Actually, it's half a touchdown a game. So the, I don't really expect there to be a ton of uh, opportunity to score like groups of points it's going to be really just based on the number of receptions and hopefully he can bust one if you're going to be trying to play him in a flex position this week but i don't really want to do it going forward i don't like the matchup with with mccoy in there as well because i just feel like it's very low ceiling as well as when kyler isn't the quarterback for arizona um they really lean on on connor where connor averages about 12 points a game with kyler and it's over 20 without kyler so I could really see this being a big Connor day and a really low scoring because of basically both teams. We're not even sure where, what Russell Wilson's going to be doing. So it could be two backup quarterbacks going against each other and really just playing ball control. So I think with, with Hollywood Brown, you just really have to temper your expectations, right? He might still see like 20% of the targets. He could hit that mark, but with Arizona, it is a really tough matchup, right? So Colt McCoy is kind of, uh, limited to me at around low 200, 200 to 250 yards is kind of where he's going to sit, right? You talk 20% of that, you're going to be looking at that 40 to 50 yards for Hollywood Brown. That's probably coming on three or four catches. So you're looking at maybe a 10-point week is what you can hope for. You adjust that to the opponent, right, with Denver, and it, it gets, starts to get murky. You're talking you're talking expectation, I would put, at the high single digits. Um, and you're really just hoping for a big play or, again, you know, a touchdown to break that thing open. And that's a really tough bet when you come to the playoffs, right? We're, we're, we're looking at a matchup where you can't afford to lose. And I don't I don't know if Hollywood Brown necessarily has the same upside we're used to associating with him. Uh, so he is, he is a lot tougher of a start, right? Some of you guys might be in a situation through wide receivers and a flex where you kind of have to slide him in there. And I understand that. But where 
in spots where you have options and those options we'll get to later with our prayer type players, Hollywood Brown certainly isn't a lock in my lineup. The yeah, only for- way I'm playing Hollywood is if there's a really need big need for a ceiling play and you're just, you're down projections down 30, 40 points, something like that. And you're just trying to get any, as many big plays or any big plays as possible. Yeah. That's where I'm with it too. Like he's one of those guys where, he, he's not a floor play, right? You're you're throwing him in in your lineups because those boom plays are available at any given second. And we we like you said, he was a couple drop balls away from having a huge week last week. Obviously, we know Colt McCoy lives and dies by the checkdown, and that's mm-hmm. definitely not the role that Hollywood plays. Um, so I, I agree with with having to temper expectations here. Like it's just not as good as it would be if Kyler was at the helm. It, it's it's just flat out not going to be there. And talking about tempering expectations, the next scare we have for you guys is Leonard Fournette. You know, his value seems to be declining by the week. Every single week can come back, he's lower and lower and lower in people's rankings. Rashad White has been slowly taking over this backfield, and he outsnapped Leonard Fournette last week for just the second time on the season. You know, Fournette's had two serviceable fringe RB2 finishes over the last two weeks, but that's been on the back of 14 targets, not his efficiency, right? So, you know, Tampa Bend, Tampa Bay, they've they've just not been able to get into their regular scoring groove that we're used to. And, you know, touchdown dependent players like Mike Evans or Leonard Fournette, they've they've been nothing more than flex considerations where you were really hoping for them to be locked in starters. Neither of them are must benches for me, but I just would be looking at my other options. You know, Leonard Fournette is probably on my bench unless I'm just that bare thin at running back. I have, you know, I have Mike Evans wide receiver 25. Leonard Fournette running back 26 on the week names. I'd start over Leonard Fournette to start. I'd go with Rashad white, his counterpart over him, Deandre Swift, JK Dobbins, Bam Knight, Brian Robinson, Ezekiel Elliott, just to give a few names. Uh, so I just, I'm really uh, unsettled on Fournette's outlook for the rest of the season. So it's just a name I want to bring to light where some of you guys that might not be able to bench him. And we understand, please hop in our discord, ask those start sit questions if you're unsure. Um, but for me, Leonard Fournette is a really tough play moving forward. Yeah, it's been tough to watch what's happened to Lenny. He looked so good for a while there. He had that thir- like a thirty-six point week. Uh, I think week five followed that up with another, you know, top five running back performance. And it's just been utterly downhill since that. That offense is in shambles. Mike Evans and and Tom Brady cannot connect to save their lives right now. Just nothing is going the way that they want to do. My Rashad White shares love what is happening to Lenny, but my Lenny shares do not like what is happening to Lenny. So I'm with you there. He's not a bench. He's like, he's the like he's probably going to get you ten points. That's the the ceiling and maybe the floor too. Like there's just no ceiling. The floor is what it is. You just have to accept the fact that you're hoping he pulls five targets again. Yeah, I just have that fear with him getting single single digit carries, you know, at th- less than four yards per attempt. I just have the fear if those seven targets evaporate, right? They find themselves in a situation where they're they're moving those strictly towards Rashad White. Rashad White jumps to twenty percent of the team targets on the week, as opposed to kind of splitting ten to fifteen percent with Leonard Fournette. That Fournette just becomes a, a absolute bust in the week that you see a really low week. So I, I'm just nervous if that does get taken away from Fournette, what you're left with. So the only person that's really had found any rushing success on the ground is Rashad White. So yeah. as you're saying, he really is dependent on on any sort of passing success or receiving success from Brady. The only saving grace is that this is pretty much a must win for Tampa, and it could potentially be something that, that they score some decent number of points in. But 
that's not something you want to bank on either because it could end up being a 17 to nine game for whatever reason. So um, I just, I think they're going to just going to continue to build faith in Rashad because he actually does find success running the football, which does take uh, pressure off Brady, which does increase the success rate of the play action game, which helps the receiver. So it looks like his role is just going to continue to dwindle. But like you said, you could find success in the passing game and he probably is going to get around 10 at best. Yeah. Okay, guys, the fun part of the show. We're going to start with our prayers. Tim, who do we have? Yeah, the first prayer I'm going with this week is Trail on Burks. He's been really good since coming back from the first injury. He was at seven targets a game, and his yards per catch has been pretty off the charts since he's come back and actually gotten consistent targets. Um, so with, with Burks, it's really kind of targeting more towards big plays, which I, I I like as somebody who is a prayer because it doesn't require a ton of volume, but he's also showing you that he's getting volume. So there's going to be repeated attempts at those high uh, point scoring um, passes, as well as he's going up against the Chargers, who once again are in our win now uh, mode as well as Tennessee. So I think that you're going to see two teams that are really going to be trying to attack two under kind of under the median defenses as we're looking at their performances as well as the last three weeks besides the week he got hurt including the week he got hurt where he had 25 yards and a touchdown on one target seven of eight 111 yards four of six or 70 yards so he's definitely involved in the passing game and i think it's only going to get better uh if he's healthy and back from that concussion yeah i mean we've seen from him uh with trail burks we've seen that he can he can get you kind of that safety net on just three touches as you mentioned his yards per per touch is basically like 15 you give him three touches because you a safe floor on the day he always has the ability to break it even more or if he gets overutilized he can give you a really big day and he can get into the end zone he's he's been a fun little player he's he's been a guy from trying to get in every single flex when he's healthy that's the only little caveat this week is he, you know he might not be a guy who plays but if he is in there i think Traylon burks is finding his way into a lot of flex spots this week and could be huge for playoff lineups jacksonville they've their bottom third against wide receivers on the year um they've been middle of the pack over the last month or so so this is it's definitely not a matchup i would be i would be fearing um and as you said it's it's a must-win opportunity for the titans and they've been a very different team when Traylon has been in there when he's been in the game uh it's been noticeable how different the offense has played they've They've been able to throw the ball a little more, get him involved, Chig involved, uh, and they really need that. It's a valuable part of the offense. If he does miss this week, I think you're going to see it affect them, and they're just they're going to be trying to lean on Derrick Henry as always. So, Traylon well, Burks, and that's the matchup against good. the Chargers. Derrick Henry should provide them adequate field position to take some shots, as well yep. as even if they're close, that doesn't remove his ability to score touchdowns either. Yep. Oh, apologize. I said Jaguars. That was uh, that was previously, but yes, Chargers. Yeah, and it's important to note too that that Tannehill likes him. Like you can tell that he just Tannehill feels and looks more comfortable as a quarterback when he is on the field. There's some indecisiveness when he's not there. He doesn't trust the wide receivers really. You know, obviously, um, you know, we've had a couple boom games from random guys here and there, but when when that offense is functioning at its best, it's because a guy like Traylon Burks is on the field who can get the ball in his hands, make something happen. Be a big play threat if they need him. He could be a contested catch guy. He's fourth in the league in contested catch rate this year. Obviously, the targets are a lot lower, which helps the rate stats pop up a little bit. But this is a guy who can do it all and really just opens up this offense in a tremendous fashion. So if he's active, he's almost like a must flex for me. Okay, guys. Next one we're going for is Donovan Peoples-Jones. 
All right, we saw a dip last week for Amari Cooper. It allowed DPJ to get 28% of the team targets, leading to 12. Uh, and that was a, that ended up equating to 114 yards. Uh, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones might be a name that's been a little a little disrespected, a name that's a little pushed down. People not, might not view him as a must-start type of player in some casual leagues, but I think you're stealing wide receiver three floor with upside on a large on any potential large play with him. Uh, he's got an opponent's Baltimore. They're seventh worst to wide receivers. That's who they have this week. Reports that Watson should be getting the green light to look downfield a little bit more. So I would expect DPJ to play that old Will Fuller type connection with Watson and the team as the continuity grows. Rose, um, DPJ, he's 19th in air yards on the season, but only has one touchdown on 80 targets. That rate is nearly three to 4% lower than league average. Uh, we'd expect a touchdown per roughly 140 yards as well. And he has over 750 yards on the season. You'd expect five touchdowns, but no, but as we mentioned, he only has that one. So perhaps regression also comes into play here, which just boosts to me the upside. He's been, he's been giving you that wide receiver three floor without that. And if regression does hit, this could be a, this could be the type of player that hits huge for playoff rosters. I I think he could have that league winning type upside. Um, and the, the floor is safe enough for me to say that confidently with him putting him in your lineups. DPJ has been a favorite of the show the whole year, the whole year. And he finally has a, a quarterback that, like you said, could treat him in certain situations like Will Fuller. And you add that to his already current production and it just takes the, the, the roof off. You know, it's gone. The ceiling is so big. And it's I, – I can't see how he doesn't make top 36. But if he gets any sort of deep target that turns into a touchdown, I think he's like top 15 this week. Yeah, the the, the upside is immense with him. And, and like you guys have both mentioned, just there's so much that hasn't gone right for DPJ this year while so much has also gone right for him. He's getting the volume. He's getting the best matchup of arguably any – wide receiver in his range this week. And he's getting a, a quarterback where they're really just kind of looking at this offense for us the season and going, let's see what we got, right? We spent $250 million on this man. Let's see what upside he has here. So I really think they cut it loose this week and, and like a two touchdown, 150 yard game is not out of the conversation here. I was the record show. The last time Jake made that claim was he was on the show. He said that for Hollywood Brown and it happened. Maybe not 200 yards, but the two touchdowns hit. So it was a good, no, it was a good week. Not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Not saying. Yeah. Is that against Oakland? Just saying. Vegas? Or was no, that against Vegas. Las Vegas? Yeah. My bad. And I, I don't recall. But moving forward, we'll, we'll let Jake Rowan. Jake wants to get in on the action. He's going to give us a prayer player for this week, a guy he thinks could sneak inside that top 36. So, Jake, who do you think could uh, find their way in the playable territory? Yeah, so for me, and this is going to be probably the hottest take of the entire show, in my opinion, it's Chris Moore. Hear me out here. Chris Moore. We know he's not a superstar wide receiver, more of a journeyman guy. He, he's worked his way into a little bit of a role in this offense. He's not done much. You know, he's a 29, almost 30 year old slot wide receiver. Where's the fun in that? I'll tell you where the fun in that is. Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks practiced this week. Nico Collins still is not practicing. Looks like he may miss this week again. And this matchup in Kansas City is a phenomenal matchup for slot wide receivers specifically. Kansas City has been one of the worst pass defenses in football this year, consistently being in the ranking within the top five and points allowed to fantasy wide receivers. Specifically speaking, against the slot wide receivers, there are only five teams in football that give up more points to slot wide receivers 
than the Kansas City Chiefs. With somebody like Chris Moore, who plays 65 to 70% of the slots out of the snap, 11th most slot snaps in football, this is the exact type of matchup where if I'm looking for a prayer, I'm looking for something that could go right. It's a guy like Chris Moore, especially in a matchup where I need a guy who could pull randomly 10 targets, maybe get into the end zone with me uh, or for me. He's done it before. He's had multiple wide receiver He's at a wide receiver two finish this year and a wide receiver one finish. I know I'm hyping up just singular finishes here, but this is what we're looking at, where if you're in a desperate situation, if you are looking for a guy who is going to probably get some volume, going to get red zone looks here, and in an offense that's just overly ambiguous, their top running back is out. It's going to be a combination of you know a, two journeyman running backs, really. The, the passing game has to be what works here, and that's what you can really – compete in a game with and they are still semi trying to compete here chris moore has some upside here i am desperation flexing him in a few spots he is a true prayer if there ever was one but him being within the top 36 wide receivers is well within his range of outcomes this week mostly because the matchup is so good and vacated targets yeah this is a take i can get i can get behind if you fall into the situation where both brandon cooks and nico collins are out again i think that's what led to his 40 percent team target share we saw last week um with those two guys out he's definitely in play now i like you bringing up chris Moore because not everyone who watches is necessarily in your more shallow leagues where you're sitting at you know two wide receivers two running backs and a flex some of you guys might be in playing dynasty football and you're listening to this just to evaluate your lineups and a lot of your leagues, Chris Moore might be out on the waiver wire in Dynasty. So that's a guy you could go, you could sign just for the week, right? And a lot of your deeper redrafts as well. He's a guy who could very well be out there. And if you need that type of play to throw in your one of your flex positions, he's certainly not out of the consideration. Again, especially if of Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins are, do miss again. And they, they're both questionable, but it is it is leaning that they don't play. So that's, that's where I would uh, come in to agree with Jake on here or shout him out for DFS lineups. Yeah, and Chris Moore is only rostered if so. Like you know, for that deep sleeper or that deep uh, dynasty league, a lot of you are playing that on sleeper. Chris Moore is rostered in six percent of dynasty sleeper leagues right now. He is on your waiver wire, and he if if you're looking at him or you're looking at like a Terrace Marshall, if you're looking at a I don't know a David Bell, uh, Chase Claypool. Like Chris Moore's upside in this matchup, I think is higher than any of the three that I just named here. And I'm confidently picking him up and just throwing him in a flex spot and hoping that the rest of my lineup can do most of the heavy lifting, but knowing that Moore has a 20, 30 point week within his range of outcomes. Yeah. Some of you guys might be sitting at looking at guys like, you know, Jacoby Myers, Chase Claypool, um, you know, uh, Isaiah McKenzie type range. And that's kind of where he'd fall in where you're, you're considering playing him over those guys once you get there. And that's, that is wide receiver, like six type territory. So it is a little deeper of a call, but it certainly has the uh, potential to hit. Yeah, I like it. He's proven before with volume that he's able to produce enough points uh, to be a flex option, especially above 10 plus in terms of points. So if he gets the targets, he usually produces as well as he's not, he's not against scoring a touchdown once in a while either. So that's a nice little boost as, uh, as well. If you're looking for a little bit more upside compared to the other receivers that were quoted in that same range. Okay, guys, so we're trying not to lose any steam here. We got two players left to run through for you guys, so we're not going to wait any longer. Tim, get into your, your last prayer for us, and then we'll get out of here. I have Drake London. I wanted to play Drake London so badly in the prayers last week, but I didn't have enough uh, of a position I really wanted to run with for you guys. But this week I feel I feel pretty good because of 
just the more the history that I have on him. Um, we're looking for five catches. He's never not been in the top 32 or better with five catches. Something else that we're looking at is he is going against New Orleans, which we were expecting Olave to, to produce a decent number of points, which either keeps Atlanta um, in competition all, all game or they're in catch-up mode in the second half. Either that could be due to the lack of production in the first half or turnovers by Ritter. There's so many situations in which London could get a lot of targets in this game, as well as um, he hasn't really been a touchdown dependent. It's more or less just getting the catches, getting the yards. So anything on top with the touchdown is, is going to be uh, basically bonus. They're going against New Orleans, who's 18th in the in the, the league at 27.9 points per game allowed to wide receivers, as well as they're allowing a, touch, a touchdown or greater um, on average. So I think that uh, just based on how they're using him, he's uh, five of the last seven games, he's 85% or more snap share, which means he's involved in the game plan very deeply. It's just that the targets he's been getting from Mariota have been so inaccurate that they've had, he hasn't really had the opportunity to do much with them. So if they can switch to Ritter and Ritter's able to show some bit of competence where they can get the ball to their best playmaker with Pitts being out, I think this is the matchup to do so. And I think based on how low he is in the ranks, there's not going to be a lot of competition in, in many leagues that uh, you're going to be able to acquire him, especially in redraft and play him because he should be out on the wire. Yeah, so with, with Drake London, he's very clearly the best player on this offense. Very, very clearly, right? And I think we saw that last. The last time we saw this team play, you got 50% of the team targets. That's not the first time we've seen that on the season. I think since Kyle Pitts has gone out, he's even more so kind of that sole guy and with Marcus Mary there was so much focus on the run and the targets that did go his way it was my problem with Kyle Pitts all year every single time it just felt like it was in the dirt it was way off the marks we're not asking a lot from Ritter coming in I know this is a rookie quarterback and it's tough they don't normally support more than one type of option well he's the one option if there's one guy who's going to put up a number here it's going to be Drake London right this is a situation that's a little ambiguous because you do have a new guy stepping in and playing and people have stepped way off Drake London where if that connects that could be something that's huge for your playoffs if you don't play him at least keep your eye on the situation and if you do see it hit in this week I think you can move forward with absolute confidence so Drake London for me is uh it's an interesting call and it's it's definitely one that I think could be big for people Jake, you are muted. Our fellow JWB team member, Tyler, said that this week on Crushing the Competition, if there is an Amon Ra St. Brown out there, four teams to have this year, it is Drake London. And I'm going to stick with that call, and I'm going to follow my teammate and just roll with it. Yeah, and that Tyler is mentioning as a top 20% accuracy ranker. Tyler is one of the most, he's one of the most impressive redraft players that I I know. So yeah, Drake London, I'd I'd be firing him up. It's definitely somebody who has that type of potential. You know, he's only rostered in 57% of sleeper redraft leagues. And that number is lower on, it's just about 50% on Yahoo. So this is a guy who is available, right? And even if you don't, end up wanting to play him he's very much worth a roster spot because as as jake said that i'm on rossi brown so what everyone's trying to look to acquire there aren't many games that fit that mold i know we've said sweeping claims a couple of guys here have that huge upside like we said with donovan people jones but you you can't win if you don't have the ticket so at minimum please make sure drake london is on one of your benches Okay, guys, I'm going to transition. This is a guy who was a channel favorite early in the year. We told you to play him a lot, burn a couple people, but we're back in, and that's going to be Elijah 
more. He saw greater than 20% of his team's targets for the first time last week. First time on the season. Well, it, it really comes down to this match. We have Corey Davis. He's still in question with his weekly status. And I think that's huge for uh, Elijah Moore. Not necessarily that Corey Davis plays out of the slot, but he does eat a little bit of those as well as overall team target share. And just consolidating weapons in this offense is always a good thing for Elijah Moore. Um, so Detroit, they've allowed 33 points per game out of the slot exclusively since their week six by 33 a game. So if Elijah Moore is eating all of those himself, you know, that, that could lead to a huge week here. If he booms, it's not coming out of nowhere, right? He elevated at over 20% of his overall team targets last week. And this, and his opponent allows huge production to his exact role. If he hits big, Right. He said it's not coming out of nowhere. Detroit, the third worst to wide receivers in general in the season. And they're the worst to wide receivers over the last month, allowing 51 points per game to opposing wide receiver groups in that span. Right. Vegas line is 44 and a half. That's probably more of a testament to the uh, to the Jets def defense, just, you know, respecting them. But Detroit games, um, they've been one to target. All year, we've been really kind of going at them. They've they've been very high scoring. They've been fun, and this should be a close matchup. Where in those close matches, we see teams rely more on those safety net blankets to get those those gains, those first downs, move the chains. And Elijah Moore should be that guy every single time. Braxton Barrett is out there getting targets. I'm looking at the screen, just yelling, "Why is it not Elijah Moore? He looked good when he got the ball last week. It's it, he's been connecting. I don't have any bias if it's Mike White or Joe Flacco. I know Mike White is still questionable to play. But I would think it's Mike White. I do prefer Mike White. But either way, I don't have any any bias against who's in there at quarterback as long as it is not Zach Wilson, which it will not be. So Elijah Moore, it's a guy. One last time, I'm telling you guys, fire him up. I, I have him as a very high wide receiver three this week. So I do like Elijah Moore a lot. Yeah, yeah Detroit's totally defense really you. hasn't per performed like how they – they performed poorly the entire season. And like you said, their 30th – against the uh against wide receivers in terms of points per game at 33.4 so they're allowing a lot and it's 210 yards to wide receivers a game so if we're looking at any sort of competent offense on Detroit side and a play a Jets team that's in the playoff on we're gonna definitely see some you know competition back and forth and maybe use some desperation plays at the end Elijah Moore finally got over the 80 percent snap share hump last week and we saw that he produced double digit points. So I think he's worth a flex play for sure. Yeah, you said that 33. That's on the the last month, as I said, it's been 51. And it's gotten worse. That's because the run defense for Detroit has actually become more respectable. Where early in the season, teams were running all over. They've kind of got that figured out. A couple of young guys have started to play well. And it's been an impressive part of their their ascension. The reason they're winning is because they've been able to finally get behind the run a little bit. But that in turn is why that last month of passing uh, receiving production for opposing teams matters to me. Right. They've been able to stop throwing more. Well, where is that gone? Because the scores have still been super high and it's been to wide receivers, especially the slot against Detroit. So that's more why I think this is a lot more of an obvious play for me than maybe other wide receivers recently against Detroit. So love Elijah there, Moore. Elijah Moore fits that mold of very talented player, stuck with a bad quarterback, has to work his way back. He's worked his way back. He's back in the good graces. He's getting play, even if that took an injury to happen. We've seen concussions knock out multiple players for multiple weeks this year. It's, I think, an uphill battle for Corey Davis to clear protocol and be active here. Elijah Moore is one of my favorite players in all of football, and I am happy to fire him up this week with everybody out there.
I'd love to see that ascension. Yeah. So, but if one of you guys, if you are concerned, you're concerned with who am I benching for Elijah Moore? I've got on my team. I, I signed him this week after last week. Who am I benching? Please hop in our discord top of the description. Let us know your options. We'll let you know if we think it's ridiculous to start Elijah Moore, or if we're absolutely sliding him in there. That being said, guys, we are going to wrap this up. Get out of here. I want to thank Jake for coming on and joining us. We thought it'd be a nice little touch to add a third guy to kind of weigh opinions in on our plays. Um, you can find all of us on Twitter. So it's at JWB underscore FF. I'm Scout at BFF Buffalo. Timmy's at Nubs, two N's, two B's. Jake at Perry underscore FF. If you enjoyed this video and you stuck around this long, please like, subscribe. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, you can drop any questions to in YouTube, but you will guarantee yourself a response if you right away if you go to that Discord. That being said, we will catch you next week. And good luck, guys. We really hope you guys get continue in the playoffs and we can win some championships together. See you.